Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the 2045 podcast. This is Sophie, your host. And before we actually get started, I'd like to give you some brief announcements. The first one is that The Future Is Now is a compilation of some of the most relevant ideas found in 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, a best-selling book by Yuval Noah Harari, my favorite author, by the way. The second announcement is that if you haven't checked out the other episodes of the series, especially the previous one, two out of three, which is the one that I think people have liked the most up to now, I totally recommend you to check them out so you can kind of follow the thread. But I also assure you that this is going to be my favorite episode just because of the depth of the topics that we are going to talk about, like biochemical algorithms, the meaning of life, education and existence itself. And finally, I'd just like to say a little bit of a reflection. While I was actually reviewing this part of the book and reading the book, I noticed that, yes, indeed, Yuval is my favorite author ever. And that's because he talks about what could be the truth, which not many people do. So that also makes his books a little bit tough to read. And I apologize in advance if any of the ideas mentioned here make you feel if they offend you in some way that isn't the purpose but just keep that into account and that was just like a brief disclaimer so without further ado let's get started so the first topic goes around emotions as biochemical algorithms. And I'd like to start this off by mentioning a quote by Yuval. And it is that, if by free will we understand that we have the ability to do what we wish, to do what we wish, what we think, then we do have free will. But if on the contrary, we think of free will as the ability to choose what we wish, to choose what we think, then we don't have free will. I don't tell my neurons when to shoot. In other words, if we think we have free willing because we can do what we feel, then we do have free will. But if we think we have free willing because we can choose what we feel, then we don't. That is kind of second order thinking, something to introduce you to the topic because with AI having this ability of knowing our feelings and what they represent, we may be feeling curious about what feelings actually are. Other questions that may arise are, are we even free to choose when to feel emotions like anger? Are these only things happening in our brains? Well, probably one of the most mind-blowing ideas that I found in this book was that feelings are not based on intuition, inspiration, or freedom. They're based on calculations. This means that a lot of our feelings have been molded by evolution. When a monkey sees a snake, it feels fear because millions of neurons have quickly calculated the probability of dying. And if that probability is high, then they'll need adrenaline, then they'll know that they'll need adrenaline in their muscles to try and survive. Therefore, we could say that feelings are something more like a necessity like a tool that is made up of biochemical algorithms. If the image processed by our brains matches one of a threat, then we know we'll need adrenaline, and we know that because of evolution. You know, this isn't explicitly mentioned in the book, but our genes are selfish. We are part of a much bigger than ourselves chain of humans. 
if you notice, we are born, grow, developed, maintained as healthy as possible until we have kids and then die. At least that's the natural process. If we don't take into account the tremendous advancements that have been done in the 21st century regarding medicine. Some people even say that we are nothing but self-replicating machines. Now that is a hurt statement. It's scary, but it's true as well. I think. In any case, you may be asking yourself, but what about more conscious feelings such as compassion, guilt, or forgiveness? Well, this is a little bit more interesting since you've all mentioned that human beings are the only species that have evolved to collaborate. Wondering what made us special? Well, apparently, it's something more than IQ. It's collaboration. Feelings like guilt or forgiveness help us do that as a species and as a group. Thus, they could also be part of this process of evolution. Another question that I was actually having as well is, how come we haven't noticed in any time in our lives these calculations, these algorithms in our brains? And the answer to this, according to Yuval, is that these are just happening incredibly fast, faster that we can internalize them and be conscious about them. Therefore, liberalism could also be losing its practical advantages. Now, having said this, perhaps the biggest question that we have asked ourselves as humans for centuries is why are we here? And why does here even exist? In other words, why is there something rather than nothing? I think that this quest for meaning becomes even more challenging yet important when we discover that we could be nothing but the slaves of our genes and how the environment has shaped these. If this helps somehow, Yuval reminds us that according to Buddha, the three basic realities of the universe are that everything changes without stopping, that nothing is forever, and that nothing is completely satisfying. In this sense, Buddha says that life has no meaning, it has no sense, and that we don't need to find one. Suffering occurs because we don't take this into account, and therefore, what we really want is not to find meaning, but to get rid of suffering. At the same time, the most real thing in the world is suffering. If you find yourself trying to guess if something is real or not, whether a story about the world is real or fiction, you should ask yourself if beings in that story are able to suffer. Now, how do we link this with religion? I love this quote by Yuval that says, when thousands of people believe during months in something that is not true, that's called fake news. But if millions of people believe in something during millennia, that's called a religion. It's hard to address this topic as I was mentioning in my initial disclaimer when it can be sensible for many people. Of course, Yuval does this in a much better way than I could, but I still apologize if the following words may sound a little too aggressive because I think that religions could actually be touching obsolescence. If I follow my common sense, I should agree with the author of this book. The more profound the secrets of the universe are, the less likely is that whoever invented them cares about dressing codes or human sexual behavior. Then why does religion exist in the first place? 
collaboration is apparently the answer again. As far as we can understand, they were imaginative Homo sapiens, the ones who wrote the Bible, the Quran, and other holy books. The purpose behind them was to give sense to our existence and order to our civilizations. Order and meaning are the keywords here. And I'd also like to mention one of my favorite quotes by Duval, actually, which is, History began when humans invented gods and will end when humans become gods. If you probably are skeptical about this statement, you should probably look into some of the other episodes in which I talk about exponential technologies like artificial intelligence, gene editing, the studies in longevity, and other things, which could be turning us into homodias, people who are something more than humans who are maybe even gods. So going back to the topic, would more humans create this order if we didn't tell them that there is a supreme force looking above them and that even if they don't suffer the consequences in this life, they'll do so in another one and that they'll burn in hell? Well, my answer is that probably yes. We have the capacity to think ahead of time and believe in those incredible stories. I bet that if somehow a cow would tell another cow to sacrifice, do a sacrifice today because she'll be rewarded in another life, then the cow wouldn't believe it. <laughs> Still, cows don't need those stories. Yuval says that moral doesn't mean to follow the divine laws that religions say. It means to reduce suffering. Moral means to reduce suffering. Therefore, we don't need to believe in any fictional story to behave morally. We only need to understand suffering at a deep level. People rape, murder, and steal because they only understand suffering at a superior level, without worrying about the impact that it may have in other people. We shall also remember that every violent act starts within the person who commits it. Before that is done, the person has already lost peace inside of themselves. So what can we do about this? Yuval, the author of 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, actually suggests something that I find interesting. Secularism. This is sometimes seen as the denial of religion. However, those who consider themselves a slave, they sit as a positive and active vision of the world, defined by a coherent code of values and not for opposing to a religion. They don't think that moral and wisdom come down from the sky. They know that they're naturally passed down from generation to generation. And thus, they take responsibility because whatever good or evil that there is in the world also depends on them. Lay people abstain themselves from murder, not because a book says so, but because they understand the suffering that could cause to another conscious being. This could also include animals and other living things. When lay people are in the middle of an ethical dilemma, there is no precise rule to follow. They evaluate the situation and options in order to take the decision that will cause less harm and suffering to both parts. Now, the most important compromise in secularism is the truth based on the observation and evidence rather than in simple faith. They don't believe in holy books or other artifacts. They believe in whichever object that holds the truth. This can be a photo of a faraway galaxy or the sequence of a genome. 
Some other values that secularism comprises are freedom, justice, braveness, and responsibility. The great thing about this, of course, is that none of these values is exclusive of secularity. Anyone can put them in practice, and I encourage you to do so. Moving on to another section, just when I thought that there would be no question that could be more important than why we are here or who the heck created this universe, people ask about the possibility of living in a simulation, or thanks to the movie, the also very known term, Matrix. Now, although in not much detail, you can also read about this question in 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. The answer that the author gives is quite logical, in my opinion. Since there's no way to prevent our environment from influencing and shaping our feelings, then there is also no authentic self. There is no authentic self waiting to be liberated from that manipulating sleeve. However, Since our brain and our eye are part of the same matrix, we need to escape from the eye to escape the matrix. We need to escape from ourselves to escape the matrix, if there is one. So what's next? After talking about AI, biotech, the useless class, existence, religion, the data economy, and more interesting topics in the previous parts of this series, my question is, how do we connect all of those dots? Spending time philosophizing about these topics to then return to our normal and daily lives in which we try to find meaning is probably the most ironic thing in human existence, I think. Now, I don't know about you, but still this is how my world works, and as part of the 21 chapters in this fantastic book, there is one about education. The question is, what can schools be teaching youth today, when we are going to be the drivers of the fourth industrial revolution? So actually, talking about revolutions, the product of the past industrial revolution was an education system in which there are different clusters to which a group of people with the same age change every time a bell rings, and then an older person comes and talks about the shape of the earth, the form of the body, or humans past. Sounds familiar? The education system is training us to be factory workers. Raise our hand when we want to say something, ask for permission to do our necessities, take a seat in chairs that are of the same order in rows and columns, looking at the front where our superior, alias teacher, speaks about what they think to be the absolute truth. More than 180 years later, this is still how the current education system works. Even though there are emerging options that involve the use of technology, they still can't replace the whole system. They could be implemented in luxurious suburbs, but not in rural areas. So knowing that AI has the potential to know ourselves better than we do, and therefore have more control over us, it's not a surprise that emotional intelligence will be a necessary skill in the 21st century. Unfortunately, it is much more difficult to teach how to be emotionally stable than to teach how to solve differential equations, huh? The same teachers tend to lack the mental flexibility that is needed for the 21st century, for they are the product of the previous education system. So yeah, school can be good at teaching us about math, chemistry, history, and so on. Still, in most cases, it isn't going to train you to learn about yourself. It's not going to teach you what technologies like gene editing or Internet of Things are, and therefore, it is not useful for the times to come. 
Now, according to Wu, if there is a single piece of advice that I could give to a teen living in whichever part of the world, is don't trust adults too much. Many of them have good intentions, but they don't understand the world as well. The new world that used to change slowly, and the 21st century is characterized by rapidness and change. In fact, the pace at which progress is accelerating is accelerating itself. So who can we trust? Technology? Well, technology can help you a lot, but it can also slave you. It is not bad if you know what to do with your life. It can actually help you get it. But if you don't, technology will shape your future and take control over your life. Have you seen those zombies that walk in the street staring at their phones? Do you think that technology controls them, but that they control technology? Even our own thoughts, as we've seen before, can be greatly influenced by society. Then we can't be even sure if trusting them is a good option. Now I can say that these things aren't easy. In the end, there are some questions about the universe and life that will remain unanswered. All we do is explore. And try to find meaning in a likely meaningless place. Now, don't leave yet. I'm gonna be talking about the lessons that relate to these topics. Some of them haven't been mentioned throughout this episode. Some of them have, and have to do a lot with the previous topics. So, the first one is that escaping from ourselves will be a great ability for the 21st century, and meditation the greatest skill. Number two, if you're interested in a certain topic, then join a relevant organization. Do it this week. Three, don't trust adults too much, and don't trust tech too much either. Number four, to be successful in a challenging task, you first need to know how you operate, to know who you are and what you want out of life. This is the oldest and the most important advice. Know yourself. If you want to win the race, you'll have to go faster than the government, Amazon, and their algorithms. To go faster, you need to leave your illusions behind. Don't carry too much weight with you. Number five: Concentrate on the here and the now. Love pretends no more. Perhaps the safest story to trust is love. Connect with the cosmos. Every other story is false, since the universe doesn't work based on stories. Number six, the last thing that we should be given at school is information. What needs to be taught is the ability to make sense of that information and differentiate between what's important and what's not, what is real and what isn't. I'd like to wrap up this episode by. Quoting Duval in a really nice phrase: "Pain is pain, fear is fear, joy is joy. It is pointless if those emotions are derived from chemical reactions in our brains or simulation. They are the same. They are still real."